70 degrees outside our KTDR studios, six minutes after the hour of six o'clock. Time for our Phelps Health Program, and Paige Heitman is your host. Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Lee. Super excited to be here. Happy pre-Friday. Happy what? Pre-Friday. That's what I like to call Thursdays, you know, to get myself through the rest of the day. I've made it this far, so it's kind of like a celebration at that point. Oh, I never thought of it like yeah. that. Yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah, so that's why I like Thursdays. Well, that's great. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here. Yeah. Pre-Friday. Yeah, great. Uh, excited to be here on this pre-Friday. So today on our Ask a Professional show, we have uh, Dr. Alan Heinker, an ortho surgeon at Phelps Health. So welcome back to our show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had you here, so super stoked to have you. Um, you know, the way that we really love to start off our shows is asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, and I know a lot of people in the community already know you, already love you but go ahead and just give us an overview of who you are what you do at Phelps Health. Yeah well like you said I'm Alan Hanker I've been on this this show a few times here Um, I've been here a total of six years now I I like to say I'm a a pseudo local because I grew up about halfway between here and Mm -hmm. St. Louis and and so um, I've been doing orthopedic surgery here there's there's uh, four of us over in the office now and and uh, um, you know we're we're a pretty busy group, so I apologize. Sometimes it takes a little bit to get in, in to see us, but uh, you know we love to take care of patients. We take care of basically anything that affects the human body, and that's what orthopedic is. So things like uh, skeletal. So if you break a bone, you're going to come see us. Muscular. If you tear a muscle, sprain a muscle, or ligaments, or things like that. Some weird things are like carpal tunnels. People don't think who to go to mm-hmm. for that. That's us too. So basically bones, muscles, joints, anything that kind of keeps you moving and keeps you active. And then the big thing that we're going to talk about a lot today is arthritis. But um, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, I, I'm a Missouri boy. I, I grew up in Missouri my whole life. Uh, I went to school at uh, Truman State University in northern Missouri. I spent four years there, and then I actually went back to St. Louis, kind of worked a little bit, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then I went to uh, school in, in uh, Kirksville for DO school, and I did my a uh, uh, couple years of training down in St. Louis. Then I went over to Kansas City for five years, and then I moved back here, and I've been here ever since I've been done. Well, you really are tried into Missouri. Alan and I have a little bit of a relationship in, in relation to my foot, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he really helped me out with my foot, by the way, that is doing just fine. And Very he still has cool. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah while we're on the show, let's Dr. just check Chris it out. Dr. in that, but, uh, but Alan really, uh, yes, sir. he's just fantastic. Very, yeah. very detailed guy. I like mm-hmm. that. Although Lee didn't get his knee done by me, I don't think. Wow. You know, so that, you know, that's, I'd always hurt oh. a little bit. No, I think it was preemie. You've had that knee for a while. You were just a teenager. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm glad it's still You know, that comes up sometimes with knees. People are like, well, how long is this going to last me? And there's really good studies out there that show these knees, 98, 96% of the time, last 30 years or more. So 12, these are 12 years. Now. Yeah. So these are knees that are put in 30 years ago that are still in place. And so, so I mean, hopefully that knee, I mean, I don't know how long you plan on living, but hopefully it'll last you the rest of your life. <laughs> but if you need another one, he's here, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. Uh-huh. Well, thank, well, I'm sorry, yeah. No, 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 you're fine. I mean, if you just I want just a cosmetic that upgrade, that I, that I he's here for you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just excited you invited me mm-hmm. back. I mean, at least I haven't been banned for anything. No, no, I haven't no, said no, anything no. inappropriate. One of my favorite people. <laughs> well, it makes sense why you guys are so popular, right? You you kind of cover the gamut whenever it comes to all these different types of surgeries, things that you guys do. But before we dive in, let's just kind of talk about what orthopedics is. Yeah. So, you know, orthopedic, kind of like we talked about, it does get confusing because people, you know, I'll see people all day long. I'll, they'll come, I'll take care of their knee. And then they'll say, hey, do you do shoulders? 
And it's like, yeah, I do shoulders every day too. So, you know, orthopedics, again, it's one of those things, people always think joints, and we're gonna talk a lot about joints today and arthritis. And so like hip arthritis and knee arthritis, we see a lot of that. That's one of our most common things. But it also involves all the other things we talked about, fractures. So when your you know, son or daughter or kids break their arms, that's mm-hmm. us. That's who they end up coming to for casts, or even if, they, unfortunately, if they need surgery. Uh, but muscles, also if you sprain a muscle, tear a muscle, ankle sprains, that, that's us. Again, nerves. And so we do the carpal tunnel, cubital tunnel, those kind of nerve injuries. Um, and so it involves a, a lot of things, but you know, we take care of a lot of the extremities, basically shoulders, elbows, hands, wrists, knees, hips, ankles, feet. Um, we take care of quite a bit of uh, an array of injuries in areas. Yeah. Whenever you say that, it makes me think head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great way to describe you. <laughs> So do orthosurgeons um, only treat patients with surgery or are there other treatment options? No, absolutely there's other treatment options. So uh, um, I'm, I'm a very conservative physician. I consider mm-hmm. myself a very conservative physician. In fact, I think occasionally there's a time where someone will actually leave because I don't jump to surgery quick enough. I usually want people to fail non-operative or conservative treatment before we even talk about surgery. So if you come into my office with the worst arthritis in the world in your knee, I'm going to tell you about the the array of things you can do besides surgery and then surgery. Now it could be bad enough, we could do surgery that day, but usually if you've never had a shot, I'm going to tell you, hey, try a shot. And, And some people get get upset about that because there wasn't that just putting a band-aid on it or isn't that just covering it up and might that hurt it and in a way yes it is but in a way it isn't arthritis causes inflammation which causes pain and swelling in your joints all we're trying to do is calm that down your body's done that by itself for a long time and all we're trying to do is keep that going and so when we give you that steroid shot that decreases that inflammation and swelling so it doesn't hurt as more and then you can go out there and do your activities and it's not causing any more trauma to your joint or any damage by doing those shots. Mm-hmm. As long as you safely do them every three months or greater than three months apart, you can do those for, for years. And so, you know, we want to do things like, you know, oral anti-inflammatories, Tylenol, braces, uh, um, exercise programs, sometimes even formal physical therapy, injections, and maybe even activity modification. And then if and when you failed all that other stuff that isn't surgery, that's when you say, hey, is it bad enough you want to have surgery? great we can talk about that and the risks that are included in that but um, most people don't want to jump to that they don't have to yeah do you guys talk about diet whenever you talk about arthritis as well it it always comes up because um, if you are overweight it does increase your risk of complications with surgery but it also kind of complicates all the problems you have I mean that doesn't make arthritis any better it doesn't make the weight that you're putting on your feet or joints or anything else Mm -hmm. any better and so diet certainly plays into it. And so, you know, whether you're, I tell people, this is my classic line, I say, whether you're 100 pounds or 300 pounds, if you lose a pound of weight, that's a pound less going through your knees or hips or whatever, and that will help your pain. Um, but yeah, but that's kind of difficult for a lot of people to, to change their lifestyle, right? Because everybody loves French fries. Right, <laughs> incredibly. And then you're telling someone with arthritis, hey, get out there and exercise. Well, my knees hurt, how do I exercise? And I get it, it's really hard. That's why we do things like, bike or elliptical or things like that because sometimes that's better than running or jogging mm-hmm. or things. Paige, if you don't mind, I yeah, want to ask Dr. Henniger, uh, what about steroids with, if you're a diabetic? Yep, great question. So a lot of our patients are diabetic. So mm-hmm. steroids, no matter how you do them, oral steroids or steroid injections, it's going to raise your blood sugars a little bit, but steroid injections are much safer than oral steroids as far as being a diabetic and doing that. There's no real contraindications unless your diabetes is really, really poorly controlled and you're up in the 200s, 300s. Mm-hmm. We don't really necessarily want to give you a shot then because that could cause some issues. But if you're in the 100s, maybe every once in a while, 200s, will a shot every three months really cause you much issues? 
No, but we're going to have that conversation just like diet about mm -hmm. your diabetic diet and controlling your diabetes better. But but yes, it will make your sugars go up for about five to seven days. So if you're normally one of those people that is maybe you're, you're kind of on the edge of your diabetes, it's going about 180 or so. If I give you a shot, you might go up in the 200s for a couple of days. So I'm going to tell you, be careful with what you eat. Maybe skip sweets a little bit for a mm -hmm. few days. But the chance it's going to like throw you into a diabetic coma, which is when you go up to like the 600s or 700s. That's that's very unlikely. But if you do the oral steroids, those can make your sugars go up a lot more. Now, yeah. in relation to shots, I had shots in my knee after I got on my left knee, not my right knee. My right knee was the one that got fixed. Yeah. But I started compensating with my left knee, so they gave me shots. Right. Uh, I've got a back issue right now, and they're talking about, well, let's do physical therapy first, and then we'll try shots. Right. Would that be, fall in the same category? A same thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, the shots usually work better in the knee because it's it's one simple joint. That's what's causing you pain. The back, okay. there are so many areas that yeah. can cause you pain and so many different reasons for the pain. So sometimes it's much harder to get the, get a perfect shot that works really well in your back. Sometimes, if you're coming to me for back pain, a lot of things, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll do an oral steroid because I can't give you a shot in one good place. A lot of times, you have to go to pain management they have injections under x-ray so i'll do an oral steroid and even if you're diabetic we could do that we just got to be a little more careful about it sure i'm sorry Pete. no no, no those, those are, are those are really great questions point, yeah <laughs> those are ones my patients ask all day yes. long i mean i don't always cover that but some people mm -hmm. it's in the back of their head but every once in a while i get those patients like well i'm diabetic what about that and there's probably a lot of listeners thinking yeah. the same thing yeah what so are my that's options? a great question mm -hmm. yeah. well and even to supplement that you know they may have a conversation with you but we also have nutritionists on staff at phelps health so if they're concerned that they may go into a diabetic coma, we have staff on, on hand to help them with those conversations. Yeah. So and they're, even, they're never going to be alone. And that's how we work with their primary care too, because mm -hmm. their primary care is the one giving them their, their metformin yep. or their insulin, or, or sometimes mm -hmm. you can even bump that up a couple units if you're a little worried uh, if it's mm -hmm. your insulin, but great questions, all of them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we digress. Back to our back to our topic. <laughs> so is arthritis the sole cause of um, hip deterioration? You know, that's something that happens as well. Are there other factors that would make a patient a good candidate for a hip replacement? Yeah, so arthritis is the most common problem when people get uh, uh, plain primary osteoarthritis is the, the main cause of most hip deterioration. There are a few other ones, some childhood diseases. There's some things called avascular necrosis that are a little little less common. Sometimes if, you, if you're a diver, you can get it, or if you you know if you're an alcoholic and have a lot of alcohol, sometimes your joints can de degrade too. But primary osteoarthritis is just general wear and tear on the joints, and also a little bit of it's genetic. So if mom or dad had hip or knee replacements, the chance of you getting one, even if you're a couch potato, goes up significantly. So that is the main cause of hip deterioration, primary osteoarthritis or wear and tear of the joint. And then most of the time, that one, again, with the conservative treatment, we start off by doing the oral anti-inflammatories, activity modifications. There's not really any braces. Shots in the hip don't usually work as well. Sometimes you can try some oral steroids. But for that one, it's pretty common we end up going to a total hip replacement if they're hurting that much and they're having trouble moving their leg. If you do one hip replacement, are you probably going to wind up doing the other one as well? There's a very good likelihood if you get one knee replaced, you're likely going to get the other knee replaced or one hip, the other hip's probably going to need it. Not all the time, but mm -hmm. if it's primary osteoarthritis, meaning it's just wear and tear, yes. But if it's arthritis because of an old injury or something like that, maybe a little less common. Mm -hmm. Whenever we talk about arthritis, is there anything that can be done to prevent arthritis? Is it just something that happens as a result of wear and tear and age? You're right. There's, I mean, there's basically almost nothing you can do for, mm -hmm. for primary osteoarthritis. It's just, again, partially genetic. It's going mm -hmm. to happen. But there are forms of arthritis that, that 
can be kind of helps. So like rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammatory disease in your body where your body attacks its own joints. So if you get put on rheumatoid medications, that decreases that inflammation mm -hmm. and it decreases the damage done that joints. Now, if you do the Aleve, or ibuprofen, or even the steroid shots with primary osteoarthritis, sometimes that might keep it at bay for a little mm -hmm. while and help you make it a little longer, maybe not do as much damage to those joints. But for the most part, if you get arthritis, once you're going down that road, there's not a lot we can do to reverse it at this point. So you mentioned rheumatoid arthritis. What are some of the other most common forms of arthritis that somebody might have? Uh, the two main two main ones is, is primary osteoarthritis. You can also have rheumatoid arthritis, which is again where your body attacks mm -hmm. health. There's a whole bunch of the inflammatory ones besides rheumatoid where you can have psoriatic arthritis. You can also have what's called secondary osteoarthritis. Secondary osteoarthritis is like, Oh, I get a lot of people that come in and say, hey, I played football when I was in high school and I had a lot of injuries and, and you know, I had that knee swell up and it's always been, hey, that's been the knee that did that. Now, mm -hmm. most commonly you need to have somewhere like, you know, you broke it and it, it, it never healed right. And then that 20 years later you get arthritis in it and then it's like, oh, that's from that old football injury or break. And sometimes it is common, but really the most common is that primary osteoarthritis and then you get down into the rheumatoid or psoriatic arthritis or the secondary arthritis from trauma. Okay, so here's a really rude question. I tore my ACL whenever I was in college and I had waited a couple of weeks before I went and got it checked out because of some weird things that happened. It happened whenever I was at church camp. So I had to go through this process to get it checked out because the college was paying for the medical expenses, right? right? Which was really awesome. I didn't have to pay for any of it. Very excited about that. But whenever I went through to get my scans, they told me, and I don't know how much truth or value there was to this, they told me that I either could or couldn't get surgery because I had waited so long. Was that a good recommendation on their part? And it, it makes me think about these college or high school students where they get these injuries and they wait so long before they go and get it checked out. Right. Uh, yes and no. So, I mean, we see a lot of those. So I take mm -hmm. care of a lot of the Missouri S&T athletes and the, the, the RAL athletics. We have a good relationship mm -hmm. with both their athletic trainers and, and the coaches and staff and all that good stuff. And so usually we try to get you in fairly quickly, but sometimes it's hard to tell whether it's a true injury or whether it's mm -hmm. just a simple strain or sprain that's going to get better. Mm -hmm. um, for some of those injuries, if you wait a week or two days or a few days or a few weeks even, is it really going to make a difference? Un it's very unlikely, unless mm -hmm. it's a fracture that's, that's displaced, but you should yeah. be able to see that and say, mm -hmm. oh man, that needs to be taken <laughs> care of. Um, but for like an ACL, sometimes when we have those, we actually make you wait. If we wait and let the swelling go down and get your motion back, mm -hmm. you'll actually do better after surgery. So usually we don't necessarily fix those the day you, break, day, day you tear those ligaments. Now some of that is always ever-changing medicine. That's what medicine's doing. We're always looking to make mm -hmm. things better. And so there's some people that debate that and say, if we can get in there and fix it early, sometimes we can repair it, which is something we never used to do but um but the chance that you did anything worse by waiting that long is very unlikely so whether it's been you know a couple of days or a, a couple of weeks you can always come see us and and mm. i'm usually not going to say hey, you waited too long it'd be very rare you know uh -huh. even like carpal tunnel I have people all day long they have tingling and numbness in their hands and uh and they say oh it's been like that for years and now they're finally coming to me and that one when you have carpal tunnel you're, you're cutting off the blood supply to the nerve when you have that tingling and numbness you're kind of killing mm -hmm. the nerve Yes, you might have done some permanent damage. So you can wait too long if it's years. Uh, and so you got to be a little careful with that. Yeah, so it just kind of depends. Now, um, right. whenever that happened to me, even I think about it now because I had had a friend who also had an ACL tear around the same time. And our recovery periods were completely different. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm so much more active than she is. She still struggles with um, the outcomes of, you know, whatever her surgery was. So good, good to know. So let's talk about minimally invasive surgery. What's considered optimal to traditional procedures? What does that look like? Yeah, so minimally invasive surgery is one of those uh, uh, catchphrases that people are very um, kind of on top of and they want to know that they're getting 
a good surgery, but mm -hmm. but it's being done as as through as small an incision as possible, mm -hmm. or or with as little invasive as invasiveness as possible. And so it's actually one of my one of my like uh, uh, triggers to be honest. I I don't particularly <laughs> love minimally invasive surgery. I don't love the term. I think everyone, every doctor tries to do a surgery through as small an incision as possible. Uh, but I had a doctor tell it to me one time where he said, um, you know, I don't do minimally invasive surgeries. And if my patient asks, I tell him I don't. And you want to know why? And he says, have you ever looked up the word minimal in the dictionary? It says barely adequate. And so it's like, you want to do barely adequate on your barely adequate surgery uh -huh. on your patients. And I'm like, okay, that's a good point, but that's mm -hmm. not how patients see it. Patients yeah. just see it as cosmetic. Cosmetic. You want to do the surgery through as small an incision as you can and, and get a good result. But the end result is really, you just want a good result, whether it's an inch incision or a two inch incision. And so that's what all doctors try to do. They don't want to have to close in any incision bigger than they have to. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to say that. Well, I didn't realize that was a trigger for you. Good <laughs> yeah, to know. I'll okay. never ask the question again. You know, it doesn't come up a lot. It was a very big thing back in the day. Now, I think the biggest thing minimally invasive comes up with is sometimes spine surgery because then you're talking about doing through small poke holes instead of a big mm -hmm. old cut in your back, and, and that might decrease infection rate. And sometimes that may be appropriate for some patients, but that's a that's a very mm -hmm. tough one, and that's a physician to physician and patient to patient kind of conversation because it all depends how how everything looks. Yeah, so we've got about like 10 minutes left. I want to spend some time talking about joints because that's really important. Um, are there any type of joint replacement surgeries um, that take longer than normal to uh, like recover from? Let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the, there's a lot of, you can, I mean, you can replace just about any joint mm -hmm. in your body or for the most part, the extremity joints. The most common joints that are replaced though are, are knee replacements and hip replacements. And then uh, we do uh, a fair amount of shoulder replacements too, but knees and hips are by far uh, uh, the number one. And the reason for that is you don't put your weight on your shoulders all day long. Um, so a lot of people even that have shoulder arthritis can deal with you know shoulder pain. Mm -hmm. They just, instead of reaching overhead, they just kind of keep their hands low and, and they can live with it. For knees and hips, I mean, a lot of times we do all that conservative treatment. We treat people sometimes years, sometimes just a couple visits, and then we have that conversation about surgery. Surgery uh, now for knees and hips, it's been streamlined. I mean, we're getting better with it all the time. Uh, here at Phelps Health, we do a lot of total joints. We do a lot of total hip replacements and total knee replacements. We have a very good outcome. Actually, we're, we're, we have a lower than, than uh, uh, national average for infections. I mean, our, our, our patients are doing very, very well. Most of the time you spend one night in the hospital. That's what I think people don't realize. I mean, sometimes we even get you home the same day, uh, but most of the time you spend one night in the hospital and the majority of patients, probably 95, you have a surgery on one day, you're up walking the day of your surgery, which some people are like, what? But that's the whole point. We want, mm -hmm. We're replacing your joint, we're gonna get you up, moving you. And then the next day you actually walk with therapy, you're going up and down the halls, we make you do stairs before you leave. Most people go home the day after surgery and then they have home health come out to their house and work with them for a couple weeks and then we start outpatient therapy after that. And so we're spending one night in the hospital getting you home, letting you sleep in your own bed, letting you sleep in your own, own couch or rest mm -hmm. in your own couch. We were doing that even before COVID and you know now with COVID, I mean, that's kind of a trigger word for a lot of people yeah. right now. But even now with COVID, people are concerned about coming to the hospital. People are concerned about being in the hospital and uh, with joints now especially we want to get you home as quick as possible away mm -hmm. from any sickness in the hospitals away from roommates mm -hmm. and families of roommates and things like that and so the more we can do it at home, mm -hmm. the better your recovery is going to be. Yeah, let's talk about a couple of things. Um, you know, we can still care for patients right now, even though our positivity rate is like almost 50%, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so whatever you think of COVID, it is definitely coming back again. I mean, we're just as busy as it was at the busiest time uh, during the fall, winter last year. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
our hospital is busy and the problem is all the hospitals west of us are getting full and so we're even getting sick patients that are non-COVID, just sick other things medically like bellies and things like that and they're coming to our hospital and we're caring for them. And so, yes, there's there's still COVID patients in our hospital. They're on different wings and we try to separate mm-hmm. them, all that. But, you know, our hospital is still running. We're still doing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the belly surgeries, the knee replacements, the hip replacements, the, the hip fractures. I mean, we're, we're, we're not gonna close down. We're a hospital, yes. but, but uh, we're being as careful as we can. Mm-hmm. But uh, but our, our, our uh, staff and our doctors, I mean, they're, they're working hard and we're, Again, we're as busy as we've ever been. In fact, just probably like three weeks ago, we were the busiest our hospital's ever been. We had the most amount of patients in our hospital we've ever had in its entire life. Wow, that's amazing. And you're getting ready to go on vacation. Very well-deserved vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just me. I mean, there's a bunch of hospitalists yes. and everyone else uh-huh. running things. And uh, it's just, yeah. it's a busy time. And yeah. it's a it's an odd time for, for people. I mean, some mm-hmm. people, like I said, we're still, they're still scared to come mm-hmm. to the hospital. But just like you said, I mean, it's safe. We keep mm-hmm. patients kind of separated. Sometimes our COVID staff is taking care of COVID patients yeah. and, and not other healthier patients. And we're being very cognizant of trying to keep healthy people in healthy areas and, and COVID mm-hmm. patients in other areas. So for surgeries, are patients still being um, tested for COVID prior to surgery? Uh, a good majority of them, mm-hmm. even if you've been vaccinated. Yes, I know mm-hmm. that's a touchy subject too. You could still get it and be mm-hmm. a carrier. And so if you're going to have general anesthesia or for certain procedures, yes, we have to test you before it, but some mm-hmm. don't. So if I'm doing a carpal tunnel or something small on you, uh, um, that we're not doing general anesthesia, we're just mm-hmm. doing what's called moderate anesthesia care. We just get a little sedation. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily test you for that. Great. Good to know. So uh, another quick question about artificial joints. How long do artificial joints last? I know we kind of covered this with Lee. His can last like 30 years, so he, yeah. he should be good to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So hips and knees are about the same. Mm-hmm. Again, that's one of those things we've we've gotten better. Uh, you know, the, the engineers, those all mm-hmm. those S&T grads that have been out there and then mm-hmm. and figured out what metal works the best or what plastic mm-hmm. works the best or how exactly you do everything. They've made these better every, every you know, not every year, but mm-hmm. as time has kind of gone on, these have gotten better and better and better. And so now there's good studies, especially for knees, I mean, and hips, they show that they're, most of the time, 96, 90% of the time, they're gonna last 30 years or more. I, in fact, probably about a year ago, I saw one of my very oldest hips I've ever seen in my career. Uh, this lady's hip was 35 years old. She was one of the first hips to ever be done up in Colombia. Wow. Her surgeon actually flew over to Europe, learned how to do it, came back, did her hip. And when you looked at it, it wasn't really put in that great. I mean, nowadays, if you put that in, people are like, oh man, you didn't really put this in right or that in right. But here she was still working great on it. She, I was mm-hmm. just seeing her because she was having some other pain. We just happened to get it. And I'm like, she was doing great with it. And that's been in 35 years. And I mean, Good for her. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Huge longevity of life. Holy smokes. So just a couple of quick questions to wrap up. What can people expect if they come to your office for an examination? Yeah, so if you come to our office, first of all, you you know, you can just call our office uh, uh, anytime. Uh, Our orthopedic secretaries, they'll get you an appointment. Again, there's four of us there. We're we're happy to see you. But you're going to come in. Uh, You know, we've got to take your vitals. You know, at Phelps Health, we're still wearing masks. So you got to wear a mask and do all that stuff. But you can bring, uh, right now, you can bring at least a a visitor, someone to be with you to hear you know, help hear what I'm saying. Um, but, but you're going to get checked in by our nurses. Uh, we're going to go through a little questionnaire for you, and then you're going to come see me. I'm going to talk to you about everything. I'm going to probably talk to you about conservative treatment if it's the first time you're seeing me. Unless you're adamant about having surgery, I'm still going to talk to you about conservative treatment, let you know it's an option. We're going to talk about doing oral anti-inflammatories and Tylenol and injections and braces and whatever else we need to do. Uh, maybe even diet, weight control, that good stuff. And then we're going to talk about uh, surgery if we need to. 
Great. Awesome. One more final question before we wrap up. What's uh, the most common thing you tell people who come to your office for treatment of arthritis pain? Because right. I know that's pretty common. Yeah. So this is, this is my, my, my <laughs> plug you to say, hey, yes. if I'm going to tell one thing uh -huh. to my viewers that I talk to at just about every appointment, it's when you have arthritis, you have inflammation, which causes pain and swelling. Your body commonly makes anti-inflammatories to, to calm that down. But if you want to take something else to help that, it's usually things like Aleve or Ibuprofen or Advil. Those things decrease inflammation and swelling, but they work best if you take them regularly. So a lot of people say, I take Ibuprofen. They say, I take, you know, whatever I, I hurt here and there. It doesn't work that well. Ibuprofen will last six to eight hours. So for it to work, you got to take it every six to eight hours. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. Aleve lasts 12 hours. So one in the morning, one at night, like the bottle says. So a lot of times I tell people, try Aleve. If it doesn't work, you can do ibuprofen, but you just got to be a little careful. You have to make sure, yes, it could hurt your kidneys. So you got to make sure your, your primary care says your kidney function is good to do it. If you're diabetic, you got to worry about it a little bit more. Uh, um, but that's the most common things. Even people sometimes say, well, I'm on pain medicine. I don't take any anti-inflammatories. Pain medicines are good, but they're pain medicine. They just numb the pain. If you take a leave ibuprofen or those medicines with it, it can help. Great, awesome, great plug there. All right, so today we've been speaking with Dr. Alan Heinker, an orthosurgeon at Phelps Health. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org.